Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell, and we're still recording remote because the whole world's still ending. I got a good friend, Josh Davis from Chicago, uh, partner at 16th Street Bar in Chicago, but also involved in, in a lot of other projects, and we're going to get into all that. But, um, man, I haven't seen you in a long time, and it's good to see you, even though it's it's a, on a video, <laughs> you know? Right, it's virtual, yeah. So how you been, yeah. man? Oh, uh, you know, getting used to the new normal, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't, I don't think in my lifetime, I'll be 41 next Wednesday, man. I don't think in my lifetime since I've been able to work, I've been not working for two months. Man, I ever. didn't realize. I think, you know what? I guess I did. I, I forgot about that. That mm-hmm. you and I are just, uh, our birthdays are real close together because I got mm-hmm. like two more weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a little older. though. <laughs> just a little bit, dog. Just That's a little right. bit. But That's yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. Um, but I'm starting, I'm enjoying being at home. I've been able to do a lot of home projects. I've been putting it off. Um, able to spend a lot of time with the kids. So that's been a lot of fun. Like I've gotten to know them way better than I ever, I have, because it's which has been us in the house together. So um, just adjusting, you know, I'll be happy when we go back to work and yeah. figure out what the new quote unquote normal is going to be. Yeah, man. So I've known you for a while. This man, there's so much shit going on in the world today. I don't think we can even fucking just get past that shit because I want to get into your involvement with like Lush Life and some of the stuff you've done. But mm-hmm. like today, as we sit and do this, the world is not only fucking locked down, but it is fucking exploding once again yeah. because of fucking cops again and fucking Minneapolis again. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, I mean, I don't know, man. What do you make of this shit with George Floyd? I, I mean, there's. I, 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 so why is I, why is Minneapolis the fucking epicenter for this shit? Of this shit, yeah. It's like I fucking like, dude. Like I hate to say it, man. Like I'm I'm honestly used to to it now. Like growing up being a black man, forty years old, I've seen all this shit all my life. But now we're just in the, in the time of, of of the world where it's being recorded, so now everybody's seeing it. Right. But like this type of shit's been going on, man, as long as I can remember. Like I remember the talk my father had with me about the police. And how much different my talk with my sons about the police is, right? Like, my dad used to tell us, don't say anything, just comply. Tell them, call your father. Now, I can't even tell my sons that. You know what I mean? So, it's, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm tired. Yeah, I mean, that's it, right? Like, this isn't fucking new. This has been happening and. I, I don't know, man. It's just real fucking disheartening. And like, with, what, do us, what else do we got to do? Like, I can't help that I'm six foot two, 240 plus pound black guy. Right. I can't help that. You know what I mean? I could try to come off as quote unquote unintimidating. I can comply. I can do all of that. But the way the system is built, you got these fucking rookie cops or you got these, I mean, just keep honest, racist cops. Police were formed mm-hmm. from slave catchers back in them days. Those, you know, when they would ask you, hey, where's your ticket to be off the plantation? The same way the cops ask you what you're doing in this neighborhood. It's it's, it's a very parallel nowadays. And we got to figure out a way, like, everybody keeps saying there's good cops. And I'm like, fuck that. The good cops need to talk about and bring to justice these bad cops. Because if not, you're just as bad, if not worse, than the motherfuckers that's doing this shit. And you don't see it a lot. I mean, you guys, uh, I mean, Laquan McDonald, you know, they got that in, in, in Chicago and in, in yeah, your my city. My brother-in-law is a cop. I told him, I, all I see is a cop. I don't even see, like, my brother-in-law anymore. Mm. Because how do I know you'll get past that, that blue code and stick up for somebody else or stick right. up for me, anything like that? And you're from, 
the south side of Chicago, south which gets, Chicago gets, gets a lot day, of uh, a lot of bad press. You know, I mean, you got politicians constantly talking about how the south side of Chicago is a mess, and you got Chirac and all this stuff. And I mean, yeah. that's never yeah. been. I mean. You've lived there your whole life. I've only yeah. kind of hung out in the South Side with you at times. And, yeah. you know, we obviously experience it very different. But, I mean, do, yeah. you, do you think that South Side gets a real bad rap? It's a horrible rap. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's just like any other major city in the world, right? Like, I know it's, it's places in Indianapolis, man. Like, my buddy Jason, he used to be a cop in Indianapolis. And uh, was it maybe, maybe two, three years ago, we came down there for the Martin Lawrence show. And it was over, like... Like where they had a rodeo and all that stuff at. Oh shit! Way out, yeah. There. And he was like, "That's like the hood in Indianapolis." And I was like, "Well, is it? unless I'm, I, I guess it's been a little while. I don't. I do remember. Yeah. I, remember I remember that bar because I was like, it was real weird because it was like a hip hop bar sometimes, and sometimes yeah. it was a cowboy yeah. bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, well, I mean, if it's the hood, like I know how to move around because I lived in the hood all my life. I'm only gonna stay with people that are from that area that know how to. You know, I'm good. I got the path. Same thing with Chicago. Right. The South Side was way more dangerous in the 90s than it is now. Like in the last 20 years, this is nothing compared to like 90 to like 95. Man, most of the guys I grew up with, most of the guys I know, a few family members of mine, they are all still behind bars or some of them are just starting to come home from 92, 93, 94. I got a cousin, just did 23 straight, came home a couple of years ago. My brother's doing 100 and some change. Like he's never coming home. And these are the guys back then, you know what I mean, that we grew up with, that we were around. These are real killers. So I, I just feel like it's a little sensationalized and it's a little right. it's a little skewed. Mm -hmm. Every city has pockets you shouldn't go in, whether it's a black neighborhood, white neighborhood, Greek neighborhood, Italian neighborhood. Every city has those. If you ain't got no business over there, something bad can happen to you. That's yeah, all. and you're right with the cell phones, though. That's changing. Well, it should be, right? It should be changing the culture and the accountability uh, yeah. and the responsibility that we hold our our law enforcement to. But, I mean, just, I mean, off the top of your head, man, you can name Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Freddie yeah. Gray, the, George Floyd. All this shit just happened. I mean, that it's it's with, like... I, I, with, with such frequency, like, yeah, I mean, what you said, you're getting used to it. That's fucking insane that anybody yeah, should have to get used to it. Mental, it's, it's, it's almost like being a man, right? I remember my dad, man, my uncles used to joke. They always say, like, when you're in a relationship, you know, uh, you can only do what a woman lets you do. And it's kind of like we're in a relationship with the police and relationship with politicians. They do it because they can get away with it with no impunity. Period. Nothing yeah. ever happens. These guys get acquitted. They might lose their job and then they go be a cop somewhere else. You know what I mean? Or they're going to be head of a security team. They'll do something else. So at some point, you know, and I'm not advocating violence against police officers under no circumstances. But at some point, we're going to read a story. There's going to be some black people going to get tired. and They're going to fight back. Mm -hmm. And then shit's going to get real out here. You know what I'm saying? And, and then shit is going to never be the same ever again. Like, I saw them destroy the police station in Minneapolis today. I've never seen, even with a riot, or let me not say a riot, a civil unrest. I've never seen that before. Like, they destroyed yeah. the whole police station. And oh, they didn't give it a hell of a shot in J with Jamar Clark. If you remember, they drove a car through. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. But then contrast, you know, there was some good white people in Michigan yeah. who stormed the Capitol with ARs. And nothing happened. Man, that is fucked up shit. I, I, I how do you, like, I, I have a foreign wife, right? So it's mm -hmm. real hard to explain to her. Like, she moved here at 32 years old. So she lived, you know, her entire youth in Thailand where, mm -hmm. you know, it's not 
everybody walking around with a gun and then to see motherfuckers walking up at a state capitol building with AR-15s and nobody doing a goddamn thing about yelling, it. Yelling, shoving, aggressive movement toward the police. I could stand like this with my hands up and get killed. You can put your hands on a cop and have an AR strapped to your back and nothing happens. Yeah. You know, at some point, it's like, guys, we got to just look at it for what it is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when we were slaves, it's just three-fifths rule. We weren't even full humans to, to most people. You know, we only three-fifths of a man. So I, I'm I'm used to this, the way this shit is happening. and I, I just, It really boggles me that I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. But I'm legit used to, I'm just waiting on what's next. Yeah, man. Well, the privilege, and it's 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 impossible for somebody like me to feel what you feel. You know, and I, I there was a Facebook thread, a good friend of mine out in San Francisco, uh, David Abernathy, and he put up the other day, he said, you know, what is the most privileged, white privileged thing you've ever done? And I mean, it's like shit thinking about it. It was like, <laughs> just even thinking about it means you fucking were privileged. But yeah. I saw a woman answer said that I've actually told the police, fuck you, I'm not fucking paying this ticket. And yeah. I was like, I, I, that wouldn't even cross your mind. You can't fucking do something oh, like that. I don't. Dude, the most the scariest thing for a black man is to see them blue lights. Right. That is the because you don't know if you're gonna make it home. You know, like and even even with that, to talk about privilege, man. Think about what's what's Amy Cooper in New York this week. Like, oh she, Jesus dude, Christ! Yeah, she man. Went, she knew what her words were gonna do. She said, "I am going to tell them it's a black man, an African American man threatening me." So you knew exactly what you were doing, but you're not a racist. It's like, come on, yo. She should have been fucking charged, man. That whole fucking, like, production that she put on immediately, like, oh, huh. I feel so so afraid. Now, think about how many black men in the world have been killed because of a white woman lying like that and them white tears. Emmett Till, a white woman said he whistled at her, and you saw, you know, you saw what happened with that. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, yeah, are, are all white people not bad? Of course not. Not all black people bad, but until... People like you, who I consider allies, some other people out here, as a, on a greater scale, start calling out the bullshit. Like I know you do, and a few other people I know do. It nothing's ever going to change. Yeah, well, that's the big fucking task right now. With we've got an administration that is, you know, codifying <laughs> racism okay. and institutional racism. And I felt like you know we we made a little bit of progress in the you know arts or whatever we call that first ten years. I can never figure it out, but. <laughs> The, you know, the, the, at the turn of the millennium and, and or you know, yeah. I guess not then. That was G- George W. I guess we weren't any better off then. No, but, you know, honestly, though, this guy makes him look like a great president. He fucking does, man. He does. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, now we're like, you know, again, I had to explain to some of my cooks the other day that are from Southeast Asia about, you know, the separation of like parents and children because they got brown yeah. skin, you know, and it's like, well, you're illegal. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. like so, I know politicians lie, right? Like I know they just what they do. Politicians right. they lie, they bullshit, they tell you whatever they got to tell you to get your vote. I understand that, but this guy just says whatever the fuck he wants to say. Yeah, like and doubles like, down. <laughs> I, I was telling some friends, I was like, it's like remember in Back to the Future too, when like Biff was like the, the nobody man. remembers Back to the Future too. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking Biff was like the man like an old Biff gave young and this is what it feels like. Like it feels like a complete idiot got lucky and bullshit his way into the office. Yeah, man. I mean, it's I don't know. That gets down to a whole political path and it's like, you know, the Democrats don't show up to the polls or they get so yeah. divided divided within the party 
and then we end up with you know a, a mobilized force against us you know yeah. Um, yeah. as a people but you know i i obviously we're we're not going to solve institutional racism on the yeah. show in 15 yeah. minutes but mm -hmm. uh as, as I think one of my comedian's friends said, or I guess one of the guys I listened to is like, you know, we're not going to solve it, but maybe we can carve some of the sharp edges off of it by yeah. talking talking about let's it. Just trim this, let's just trim some of the fat. Yeah. So, that's but that's why you've been involved doing a lot of things you do. So, yes, you're uh, a bartender. I mean, I've been you're sat at your bar several times and all that, but you're also really heavily involved with a lot of projects around the country. And what I really yeah. wanted to talk a lot about today was Brown and Balanced. Yes, yes, and yes, so yes. Tell, that, tell, tell me a little bit about your involvement with Lush Life. I guess we so ought to Lush, start there, right? Um, yeah, a few years ago, I'm still with Lush Life. A few years ago, um, when that whole Tales of the Cocktail debacle happened. <laughs> which, which <laughs> I, yeah, I remember where, how that started. <laughs> like, you were yeah, you were yeah. patient zero on that. Yeah, man, yeah. I had to let them shots off, man. So yeah, I, you know, it was fucking Lindsay. absolutely came correct, man. I did, That was crazy shit. I saw, like, five minutes after you put that shit up, and it was the next it day, just, there was... It went, and I had no idea like that was even gonna happen like that. I just was like, I, I surround myself yourself, Eli, Josh Gonzalez. Like I surround myself with guys that we stand ten toes down. We we got our beliefs, our morals, and we don't really break them. And when I saw that shit, I had to say something. You know what I mean? And uh, from that, Lindsay reached out to me about uh, consulting on the Lush Life team, bringing a little diversity to the team, and working on some diversity projects. And uh, so I started uh, off with the Bar Institute. A tour we went on, and uh, during that tour, I was teaching classes about social media, uh, work-life balance, you know, being a father, being a single father, you know, balancing out the kids, working 80 hours a week and traveling the country, you know, that shit is, I still don't know how I do it, <laughs> but <laughs> did all that, and I say, yo, I want to do something else, because I don't see enough people on this stage that look like me, right? Like, I, like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to knock anybody personally, but like, all these little bullshit top 50 lists and yeah. top 10 coolest bars and all this other shit. Like everybody looks exactly the same, right? If you, if you look at that and you don't know what a bartender is, you think he's a white boy with a beard, some tattoos, tight ass jeans, a handlebar mustache. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you think that's <laughs> it. And I'm like, no, nah, there's women bartenders and it's black and brown and Asian. And it's just so many different, you know, flavors, you know, that, that make up our industry. What can I do to, to kind of bring a little more light to that? So I started with Brown and Balanced. I said, what we're going to do is we're going to do bar takeovers across the country. And in these takeovers, it's literally going to be black bartenders, a black chef, DJs, photographers. Like, no one white will be in a position that is working that day. We want everybody to come experience the culture and see just what it is that we do in our neck of the woods. Because unfortunately, there is a, a bit of a gap when we start getting into, you know, brands and, and, and distributors and all that, they don't come to certain areas. Right. It's just, it just what it is. You know what I mean? They just don't. I don't we even want to go into the argument why, because we could talk about that shit all night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they just don't. And I'm like, well, we're going to force them. And that's to real easy to forget about for, for folks like me, because I don't leave my four walls, right? right. <clears throat> so I just see a distributor. I see who shows up. I don't see who doesn't show up, because I don't really Ooh. think about it until you start needing a product, and you're like, hey, how come I haven't seen... Uh, Get you know how come I didn't know that was in their portfolio? How yeah. come they didn't know came by to sell us that? And and that's yeah. when you realize, oh shit, they're not coming here. They're not coming to see us, dude. Like I haven't, I didn't know what a brand ambassador was so probably about 2011, 2012. I never saw one. I never knew what they did. 
I never understood, like, even what the job entailed. I thought Brandon Bassett was just the girls at the nightclub mm-hmm. passing out shots. You know what I mean? I didn't even realize what a brand rep was or anything because the places I worked, they never came and visited us. So, you know, it was just like, okay, well, I see the dude with the suit on buying all the drinks. I thought that's all he did. Then when I became a Brandon Bassett, I said, oh, shit, this is a bigger job than I thought. But so what Brandon Balance was like, well, I'm going to give these bartenders from the same areas I'm from in different cities – that we all face the same thing. We have these conversations with each other. Let's have these conversations out in the open one, and let's put you some FaceTime with the actual brands. And we got a lot of great sponsors that work with us. And I've seen just about every bartender that has done a brand of balance since 2017 has either moved into a brand role, a bar management role, um, a buyer role. Like I've seen everybody grow because all they needed was just that little bit of light to get shine on them. To just open it, open just open up the world that some of these brands had never been to, and so that's how it really started, man. It was it, it was it was supposed to be just a party, and now it's turned into like a movement. You know what I mean? I, I'm a, I'm gonna keep it going, man, till the wheels fall off. Well, I mean, you you've been doing it all over the country, and I know that that your time every time I see you is it's just a luck. If that you're in town, man, I, I always hit you up if I'm in Chicago and you're never around, but you know, but you're out doing good work. And I mean, somehow you're still being a father and nailing down or keeping your bar nailed down, you know? Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, going into you, to your bar and hanging out with you is, is, it's always felt like family. You've always treated everybody that's ever walked through your doors with the greatest of hospitality, which is what we do, right? It's hospitality. But like, not only that, like, your guests obviously feed off of you and your energy because I mean, I think the first time I sat and drank at your bar, um, I mean, I didn't know a soul in there except for you. I think within an hour and a half, we were like ordering food together and like, you know, (laughs) it was like hanging out in your living room that it was literally like just hanging out in somebody's living room, you know? And and, uh, yeah, it was, I, I literally have put that up as one of the best bars I've ever been to in Chicago. Right. I just always right. had such a great time there because that's what it's about, right? You well, know, you can get a good drink at a lot yeah. of places, but if the bartender's a prick, you yeah. know, you're, you're not you know, coming back. At the, at the crux of what we do is about people, like, I always say it doesn't matter what I know, what competition I won, what magazine I'm in, you know, what brand loves me. It, none of that shit really fucking matters if nobody's sitting across from me. For me to serve them. We right. serve people. We are hospitable. We bring people in our world. We don't have bad days. We can't show that because when we're on, we're in the spotlight. It's our show. It's a movie. We're the star of the show. Boom. I got to be there. Um, I always tell bartenders, like, just be yourself. Like, when I'm at my bar, I'm just me. I'm just hanging out. I'm just Josh. Am I the greatest bartender in the world? Absolutely not. Can I make you a good drink? Sure. But what I can guarantee is you're going to have a better time when you leave. Then when you walked in that door, and that's to me, is the crux of what we do. I could teach anybody. My son been knowing how to make drinks since he was 11, 12 years old. <laughs> I could teach but, anybody how to make a drink, but I can't teach you to make people want to come back and see. Right. You know what I mean? That's the thing. I think I hope now that everybody's had a chance to sit down, and now that you know, because everything's been shut down, we're kind of going to be on a little more of an even playing field yeah. when we come out of this, because everybody's going to be starting over, brand new new systems in place, new techniques, just new things that we all going to have to do post-COVID, I hope we get back to that. And more so hospitality and more so just making people feel welcome when they come in the bar. Quit shaming people for their drink orders. You want a fucking Long Island? I'll make you the best goddamn Long Island you ever wanted. You know what I mean? Stop stop making people feel 
you know, like if they just don't want to use fresh lime, they just want to use roses. Okay, fine. You know what? Would I like that? No. These are my reasons why I wouldn't. But hey, that's what you want. I'm going to make you the best one I can make you. Yeah, man. And, and that's, I mean, I, well, all of us are hurting and, and going through some mental shit because of the hospitality aspect of it, right? We've been shut off from the part that, like, yep. makes us wake up and go to work despite the problems and all the bullshit you got to deal with in the course of a day. And, I mean, today was today was a real hard day for me, man. I'm just, like, I'm just staring at a wall most of the time, picking up the phone, doing carryout. Don't get me wrong. I'm very, very happy to still be employed at the moment and still have a restaurant that's open because I have a lot of friends that aren't in that boat. And, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I'm very, very lucky to be in that position, you know, that's to true. be able to help pay for that. But it's, it's yeah, driving it's, me crazy. I just want to see people. <laughs> yeah. This not having human interaction, it, it sucks, man. I, I feel for the people like who are, like I said, you're married, you have a family. My kids been with me pretty much the whole time. Like, I really feel for some of our friends and colleagues who, like, spend this time and they're alone and they're alone with their thoughts. And, you know, like mental health is something that's been discussed yeah. in our in industry a lot more in the last couple of years. Like, I've really been, like, every day just checking on folks that I know are just by themselves. I know mm-hmm. that not having that, that interaction is just, it's rough on them. So, yeah, I've been calling people that, you know, that I just don't see that often. Um, yeah. You know, just touching base, especially, you know, people that are, you know, like you said, alone or are in a position where they got four or five bars that, you know, may not make it out of that and, and all that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, being bars were like the, the the lowest on the priority chain for all of the phases of, of restart. And like, and you're in a city where it's kind of lagging a little bit behind some of the other country. I will, I don't want to say lagging. I would say we're rushing, you know, <laughs> right. it's, I don't know, man, we're all nervous. I'm already getting calls. And I, every day I got calls. Are you guys open? Because the city of Indianapolis is not following the rest of the state of Indiana. Really? We're, we're behind it because oh, wow. uh, we've got a Democrat mayor that, wanted, that decided that this was too soon. Um, and most, like a third of the cases in the state came from the city. Okay. You know, okay. everything else is a little more rural. So um, we, we don't have any indoor opened up yet or anything like that. But, I mean, it's coming. It's coming soon. And so I, we're a little I, nervous about that. Um, we're going to hold back. We're not going to come with the first wave because yep, same. It, it's scary, man. Same, dude. We just to go cocktails, man. I don't I really I'm not comfortable being in front of people and serving people like we used to, because I'm just like, you just never know now. You know, what I mean, like, unfortunately, I just had an uncle that passed on Monday, you know, yeah, sorry to hear that, he, man. Thank you, man. He was going to work. He got sick three weeks ago. And literally three weeks a day, he was gone. And I was like, that right there, like that, I already knew this shit was real, but that really confirmed it for me. Like, I'm in the house. Uh, he, he got COVID? I, I didn't realize. Yeah. I, we talked earlier in the week. I didn't ask. Yeah, yeah. He got he got COVID, and literally three weeks, he was gone. I was like, nope, not me. I'm not doing that. I got babies to think about. Right. You know what I mean? I got older family members I got to think about. I'm not. I don't want to risk them. So that means I got to sit at home a little bit longer till we figure this thing out a little bit better because we can't count on the leadership because we're hearing so many fucking different stories on the news every day. Yeah, and, well, everything's different every day. And circles all back around, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, of nut jobs, you know, storming a Capitol building with AK-47 saying we we don't want to wear a mask. And I don't don't get the irony of that, right? Like, I need to have my gun for protection, but I will not wear a mask for protection. (laughs) I just, I really just want to know what that shit feels like. Just one day to have that, man. Like, I just want to be able to just. I would love if, if, if like time travel and like alternate universes, like in the comic books, was a real thing, and we could flip it 
and all the white people were in our position and we went, <laughs> like, I would just love to see how everything would play out. You know, in that moment, because it's just like, you're so upset. It's, it's, I, I joke, I said, it's funny, some white people in the world are treating COVID like it's their own personal civil rights movement. Oh, Jesus. Like, they, they were forced to sit down, eat their own food, yeah. stay in the house and be safe, and you're mad that somebody's trying to keep you alive. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, like, none of this is that we're not living in a, a fascist state. It's like we're just right. trying to like, keep people alive. It's for protection, and everybody acts like it's stomping on their... Well, what was that fucking Trump said that, like, your Second Amendment rights were under uh, right. under attack? It's like, what? What Second I'm like, no, I hate... For, I was out today. I went to Home Depot. It's hot as shit, man. I got a fucking cough mask. You brave, on, man. You went to Home Depot. I drove by one the other day, and I was like, I would never go into that place. It was so full of people. Dude. I went. I had to go to two. I was picking up some stuff. I just refused to turn the air on. Like I'm not doing that. <laughs> fan in the house, man. It it's getting that hot, hot in the Midwest. Yet. It ain't hot that yet, man. Fuck that. <laughs> we got fans in here. And I went to get some fans, a couple other things, just to do some around house projects. And like, I didn't want to wear a mask, but I was like, nah, I think it's probably best yeah. for me to do that. And I literally forgot it, ran back in the house, jumped back in the car, threw it on, and went on ahead and went. But well, it's not only year. that, but you also need to be setting an example because you got kids that they got to exactly. go out and they don't understand why they need to be wearing a mask. And if you don't exactly. set that example or show other people that, like, hey, the big, cool, tall guy, he's wearing one, you know? Yeah, like, I wear one. And I'm pretty cute, man. So it's like, <laughs> you are. You're, good. you're a little scruffy, man. man. You're scruffier than usual. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, this all. You know, hey, not getting a haircut for two months, man, this shit is killing <laughs> me, brother. Yeah. Oh, man, I I almost called my barber and said, can you just come over to the house, man? It's cool. You just got to grow, when grow the beard here. like me, man. Just, you know. <laughs> I, I might have, that might be the next move, man. That, that might have to be the next move because, yeah, it's rough out here, man. It's low maintenance, low maintenance. <laughs> so you said you guys are going to plan on doing some, like, to-go cocktails. But as I said, you know, your, your bars have always been known for the communal nature of it, of, like, yeah. everybody knows everybody. Everybody seems to be a regular. Everybody knows you, obviously, because you're always there. When you're not traveling around I'm doing traveling you know, around. Brown and Balance and, and doing the the um, the Bar Institute, uh, yeah. But you know that that's going to be a, a real, I guess, shakeup for your neighborhood because it's it's a real neighborhood joint. You know, like everybody yeah. lives there. It is the community. It's like the perfect embodiment of what you want a bar to be, and it's it's very hard to accomplish. You know, building yeah. something like that. Yeah. So I mean, you're going to be tough, man. I don't. Have you heard from anybody, like any of the regulars? Oh, they've been calling us. They, man, look, I've got so many phone calls. They're like, are y'all open yet? Are y'all going to open? Can we just go down there and hang out? Like, everybody wants to come <laughs> to the bar. Like, I get it. You know, because a lot of the regulars actually were friends of mine before I even started working there, too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they, I know they're going to support us because it's us. But it's still going to be really, really weird to, like, I know that on Wednesday nights, it's a group of, of folks that come in there every fucking Wednesday when I work. And we hang out on Wednesday. So I know when you're in town, you're going to come by and we're going to hang out and drink all the rum. And we're going <laughs> to hang out and have a good time. You might end up... I'm always drinking scotch when I'm with you. You don't have that much rum on the back bar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you might end up mopping the floor again. You know what I mean? Like, you know? I, I, I did. I did do that last time. <laughs> and then we went to a joint that wasn't even open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like, I miss that. But I think we'll still get a little bit of support because people just understand, like, well, if we can't be there, we'll get a taste of Bureau in our homes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's interesting watching what's happening in Illinois because, you know, like you said, it's it's been a little bit of a mess. But I also think that there's been a lot of I mean, there's obviously a divisive issue between reopening and not reopening. But I mean, I think taking the slow route is it 
it, it's not going to hurt anything, right? I keep telling people, I hope I'm wrong. I fucking hope I'm wrong. I hope nobody else gets sick at all and it's all done with. I just yeah. don't have the feeling that that's going to be happening. But, yeah. you know, you've got, you know, we've I've been looking at all the numbers and, and you've got, you know, there's, there's really progressive areas, especially coming out of Chicago, right? Despite the problems with the police and, and, and especially with the way they, they treat the south side of Chicago. But well, it's, it's, it's just I know. Right. Well, I'm saying so you're just like seeing you got legal cannabis now, you know, yeah. medicinal, but is it recreationally available yet? Yeah, recreationally. It, it is available. So, because, yeah. you know, I mean, well, that, that it's the same thing. It talks about your neighborhood, and you were talking about the 90s being real rough, but, you know, I think the real bullshit of this, and it's, it's something that you don't hear talked a lot about in the cannabis community, um, is the same thing like you were talking about with Brown of Balance. There is no Brown of Balanced. And all these dispensaries, all these cannabis companies, and you look at the proportion that black men are being arrested for cannabis, possession, fucking paraphernalia, whatever bullshit they can throw at you. But then you start looking at, you know, who owns the businesses now that it's legal. It's like, so. Yeah, Yeah. dude, the whole, like, there's two black-owned cannabis shops in Chicago. I don't know their names offhand, but I'll get them to you. Two? There's two that I know of for sure. And one's on, on 83rd since on the south side. There's one going to be open in the high park. And that's it. And like you said, I know homeboys and I got homeboys that are doing years right. for weed sales. Like, I remember I laughed when uh, Amber Geiger, who the, the white police officer shot both of them, G. Yep. He got 10 years. I got a homeboy on weed charges, man. Ain't been home since 98. Jesus. On weed charges. She killed a man and got less than he got on the weed charge. Now it's legal. And now we see, like I said, but we're not the growers. That's the thing. Like, we're not the growers in anything. You could look at our industry, weed industry, automotive, any industry. Like, we're the we're the workers, but we're not the producers. And that's what, you know, I'm, I talk to my son about, my cousins, my nephews. Like, yo, figure out your niche and get into entrepreneurship and own something. You know, it's generational, right? Like, my dad worked 40 years and retired. His father worked 40 years and retired. His father... It's generational, but then I came up and said, hold up, time out. Somebody, this shit ain't right. I don't want to put all this work in for somebody else for me to retire and then somebody give me a check of what they feel I should get because of the work I put in. Mm-hmm. Not going to do it. There's nothing wrong with having nine to five and working careers. There's nothing wrong with that off. That's your thing. Do it. For me, I said, I want more. I want to be a producer. I want to be somebody who's changing the game for the next generation. And yep. and as you've been doing Brown and Balanced, and you said a lot of those people that have come out of that, uh, those events have kind of moved on, become bar managers, bar owners, and all that. Mm-hmm. But is there is there an aspect of it, or is there other like events that you're doing that kind of focus on that the, on the entrepreneurship or the, the kind of management aspect? Of, because we talked to Eli, and I've talked about this a lot. And you know, Portland started to go in that direction, but you know, and then it got broken up and all that. But of, of focusing on. You know, not j- just staying in the position you're in and learning to make a better yep. drink. You know, like you yep. said, you know, if you're diligent and you're dedicated, you can learn that craft. But it's not, no one teaches you how to own a joint or manage a joint or mm-hmm. to do the supply chain stuff. I mean, fuck, I didn't, man, dude. Yeah, oh, we all- I opened my place in 08 thinking I was all cocky. I was like, I've been managing for 15 years. I know what I'm doing. The first yep. month, I didn't even fucking pay any of my taxes for three months because I didn't know who to pay. <laughs> yeah, yep. trial and error, dog. Trial and error, man. Like, yeah. So, I mean, are you working on programs like that as well to kind of encourage yeah, entrepreneurship? Uh, since I've been at home, since we've been at home, I ain't had nothing but shit time to think now. 
And I want to move into more of a, a mentorship role with younger, especially black bartenders for sure, to show them, like, hey, you know, you can do this cool shit I'm doing too. Nobody showed me how to do it. I made a ton of mistakes on the way, so let me help you not make some of the mistakes I made. Mm-hmm. Um, and moving that also, not in just our industry, but out. I have a friend, she works for Operation Push here in Chicago, and uh, they do career days, and I've been going out, and she's like, yo, I want you to come talk to the, the boys. Like, there's nothing like for us, man, I know, and I know we talk about race a lot, but for me, like, as a young, as when I was a young African-American man, there was nothing better than seeing another guy who looked like me, dressed like me, talked like me, doing something other than being an athlete, a musician, or being that dude on the block. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I, talk, I spoke to some young men, and to see their faces when I start telling them about all the things you can do, because all they know is bartender. All they know is nightclub, right. bartender. You know, you're going to drink all night, you're going to fuck all the girls you want, you're going to have a ball. They don't understand the whole other aspect of this business that, you know, it's like, yo, you can really, really, really make this a career. Like, don't get me wrong, I never knew COVID was going to happen. But, sure, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm like, but this is something that until this happened, there was really, you could never be without a job, no matter where you were in the world. Right. You know what I mean? And, well, it's and tra- you've, you've got that interesting path because you've done all the things, right? Like, you've, you've yeah. had so many different roles within this industry and you you started in clubs if i'm not wrong right yeah, i club i started actually man i started off i was a bouncer well that's not surprising i mean you're a big motherfucker <laughs> dude so when you met me i wasn't i was maybe 165 170 pounds man max yeah really i was a little guy man on the bouncer team i had hands though like nobody yeah. really wanted to try me though <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I was the little guy, man. But I started off as a bouncer, and uh, one night, one of the nightclubs I was working at, man, they were short a bartender, and the, uh, the fucking owner was like, "Yo, you a cool guy? You know how to talk to people, man? Can you just jump behind the bar?" He's like, "You know how to make drinks?" I was like, "I, <laughs> all right, like fuck it, I'll do it." Got back there, so you remember, <laughs> remember when uh, Long Island's? They still have them. Oh, they man. were batching at seven fifty. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, we made those for a lot longer than I'd care to admit. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long time though. This is like early two thousands, man. Yeah, yeah. So, no matter what they ordered, they got a fucking Long Island and whatever mix they had. They wanted vodka <laughs> cranberry, Long Island cranberry. It did <laughs> just had the, like the generic alcoholic. Mixed flavor. <laughs> yeah, it was, Those I clear was, bottles with the, like the shiny labels. Yeah, yo, I just knew. I was like, well, shit, this is getting them out. They keep coming back. I probably alcohol poisoned a hundred people that <laughs> night. You know what I mean? But that's how I was born to where I am now. So, <laughs> I mean, but that's the case. And, you know, that's the we didn't have a choice, like getting yeah. into bartending. Because yep. the craft wasn't a thing, you know. There was like ten people in like San Francisco and New York even doing shit, and I didn't you know, fucking no Dale DeGroff. So that didn't count for me, you know? So like, you just kind of had to like figure it out. But now that we're in a position where we need, we need mentors and, and not only that, but they're like in the niches. So, you know, after that whole tales, of the cocktail thing blew up a little bit and they've, they've tried to like double down and I guess work more and be more inclusive and work with some programs, you know, I, I guess I don't know that as much about what some of the programs they've implemented. Have you been working with them at all whatsoever through Lush Life? Uh, we we talked, we spoke with them about it. Um, and then, like I said, at the time I was working with Aviation, uh, Jim was working with Davos Brand. So I wasn't able to do Brown and Balance because by the time we spoke about it, it was just too late to really right, push sure. it and do it. Because if I'm not going to do it right, I don't want to do it, right? 
So I wasn't able to do that. Then all this shit happened, of course. Yeah, man. I was, I was joking around with my uh, friends earlier today. I was like, you know, we're up for our, uh, the podcast is on um, uh, up for on a top 10 for, I guess, this third year in a row. But I said, shit. well, shit, man, this will be the year that I get on the top four because nobody can go. <laughs> you know? exactly. Like, son of a bitch, I finally made it. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, I love the I love the things they're doing, man. When they when they did the whole diversity council and they had like Colin and Jackie and Timmy right. and all, like that that showed me how the new ownership was serious, mm-hmm. and, and I appreciate that. So I, I'll definitely lend them any support if they ever reached out to me to do a brown and balance down there. I would love to. So shameless plug, let's do brown and balance New Orleans. I have a feeling that one will be like no other we have ever done before if we get to do it. You know what I mean? And yeah, I would I would love to work with them because they didn't do. What most people do, you know, most people figure I'm going to hire a woman or I'm going to hire one black person. Now, look, guys, we're diverse, and that's not really diversity. Diversity, right. you need a kaleidoscope of people, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, we, you know, and then really get those different um, angles and views and, and, you know, just all that in there all at once and just make it a, a real melting pot. Like, you know, I, I mean, even though Chicago is the best city in the world, New York is a really good example of a melting pot. <laughs> you can walk, you can uh, walk down uh, even though New York's okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you looking like a true Chicagoan. You'll see eight different colors of people in New York. You know what I mean? All in the same block, and I'm like, that's diversity. You know what so, I mean? So you know that's it's an interesting point, right? Because you've been doing all these all over the place, and you've been working within the uh, black and brown communities in every city that you roll into. And so every city's a new, well, new-ish. You know, you don't live there. Maybe it's maybe it's a new city, but how, maybe it's not. But like, how is that affecting you as a person? Like, how is that mirroring back? Because it's got to also, like, teach you about how things are done in different cities, oh, yeah. how the community is treated in different cities. It's I mean, showing me the differences, but it's also showing me, like, it's not really that different in yeah. a lot of places, unfortunately. In the urban, you know, I hate this word, the multicultural, quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really not different. They, we all face the same issues and problems. It's just a it's a it's a little tweaked, a little different, no matter where you are. You know what I mean? It's like it's showing me like this shit is way bigger than me doing Brown and Balance or Lexi doing Causing a Stir or Mike Holiday and Capri doing Chocolate City's Best or my man Teray doing Turning Tables and Nolo Ashton with Resistance Serve. We all have these movements all across the country and we're trying to, you know, build and build and build. I would love for all of us just to come together like Voltron. <laughs> and take over, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. if we could finally just all of us, because we all have enough pub and we all have enough accolades in the industry that people will listen if we all stood together and talked. Like if we just came together like Wu Tang, we could take over the world. You well, know what the I mean? thing, right? Like I said, everybody kind of got pushed into these mentorship roles because yeah. by by being hospitable, uh, caring about your community, caring about your your guests. Uh, and the way in the craft itself, you know, making drinks, you know, all that kind of comes together. And, and we put you in charge of things, whether you would like it or not, right? I mean, yeah. like you, you kind of got pushed to that mentor stage. Yeah. It's just like being, a, you know, a pro athlete or a singer or whatever. It's like, you know, whether you yeah. like it or not, you're becoming a role model for younger ones. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. you I always to- want to play the background, man. Like, I just, you know, a lot of people that know my background, you know, I ain't always been the most upstanding of citizens <laughs> in the world. You know what I'm saying? And and where I the come hell from, you say? <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and like the era I'm from, like I never wanted to be the front man. I always wanted to just do what I do, stay in the background. All the guys I know that stayed in the background stayed out of jail. You know what I mean? So it was like I wanted to always do that, but then 
you know, I, somebody told me maybe about a month ago, said there's something bigger that, that for you because of the things you're doing. Mm-hmm. You just got to keep pushing till you get it. And I was like, I never went into this for any type of praise, any type of adulation. Like, I don't care who likes me or not, except for the people I care about. Right. Like at the end of the day. There's three little people that got my last name in the world that's going to love me no matter what, right? So nobody else really likes me because I call a lot of people on their bullshit. I, I can live with it. You know what I mean? I'm okay with it. And because of that, we do get pushed into that because there's not enough people that look like me to speak up and do that. You know what I mean? And get heard and get seen and get the respect. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if I stop doing it, then it'll stop with me. So... Let me get the next right. meet. Right, right. Exactly. That's right. You can't let it stop, right? Because the momentum, yeah. and we've, we've seen, again, wrapping back into politics, but we see how fast we can shut down progress. Man, yeah. Within two months, yeah. it can all be erased. Yeah. So, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you're not taking it down and, and you're and shooting the young, showing the young barbacks, bartenders, you know, what, how, to, how to take care of people, how to do what they need to do. But not only oh, that, but how to push and how to become a mentor themselves. Yeah, yeah, because we all have the same, we all have very similar experiences, and we all, you know, we all want it. You know what I mean? That's one thing I always say, man, you know, <laughs> I got, being black in America, you got to work twice as good to get half the recognition. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's any industry. So for those of us that really do love this shit, like, we'll we'll do it all. We'll travel, we'll go to conferences, we'll be on no sleep, we'll work shifts everywhere, we'll do everything. So I always just try to say, like, whoever's coming behind me, you got to come like that. And I hate that you have to come like that, but the more of us that come like that and keep knocking these doors down, these barriers down, eventually, maybe not mine in your lifetime, but maybe the next generation, we'll see it get a little easier across the board for everybody. Have you seen any differences between as as the kids are getting younger, right? Like, I mean, we're now starting to see bartenders that were born like the, you know, the, yeah. like the year W was elected, you know, yeah. and then yeah. they, they, their teens years, they had Obama as the president, yeah. you know? And, and so, I mean, we grew up in a, in a real different time. Have you seen any like generational changes? Obviously the, um, <laughs> the, the system hasn't changed, but I know the young people, you know, we all, as our age, we all bitch about the young, with the old young hey, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We are, <laughs> we're bitching about the next with generation, the but now, you know, yeah. but you know, that they've got a, got the card stacked against them all. On top of being a young, arrogant hipster. (laughs) (laughs) Young ones, man, they they want it, man. I think with the advent, like, I'm so happy that probably when me and you was rolling in the 90s, there was no social media. Right. Thank God for that. No shit. (laughs) It'd be so much wild shit going on in this world, man, if, if social media was on back then. I think because of that and because of how accessible everything is, the younger bartenders nowadays, they they want the adulation and the... They want the um, what's the word I'm looking for? They just they just want to shine, but a lot of them, and it's not a knock on the young people. Whoever's listening, I'm not being the, the old hater. I'm not doing <laughs> that. But a lot of them have not had to pay some of the dues that some of us paid. Right. Like there are people coming in the game, getting jumping right behind a bar, and then from the bar going to a brand job. Like I started bottom bouncer to a bar back to a bar to like you know yeah porn long islands yeah you know me man you know me bullshitting long islands to it like they don't a lot of them don't have that in them 
And that's why you see a lot of movement from bar to bar or from city right. to city or because they feel like they should have it all mm-hmm. because of how accessible everything is now. So how you know receptive I mean? are they to the message that you're out there? I mean, because there is the universal experience of growing yeah. up black or brown in the United States and especially in the last four years. Yeah, I'm finding that they listen. Yeah. Um, but it's also off of my approach as well. Like, I'm not coming at you like the old hater. You know what I mean? Like, I'm coming at you like, yo, you about to fuck up. Just so you know, I know I I made that same mistake you're about to make. Yo, you can take my advice. You cannot take it. But trust me, I see what's getting ready to happen. And some people listen. Some people don't. It's up to them. Sure. Um, But a lot of them, they look at us like, it's funny. Like, I remember meeting, like, Charles Jolie and Lynn House and, and Colin and all them people. And looking at them like, shit, I don't know if I should say something to them. Mm-hmm. Cause they were like, you know, Charles Hardwick, like they were like the, the, the Jordan and, and, and Pippins and all that. Yeah, man. And especially for me being black, seeing them like that, it was like, oh shit, you know, like, wow, that's Lynn House, you know? And with that, I'm starting to see people doing that with us, right? They're like, well, I don't know if I should go talk to Josh. And I'm telling everybody now that's listening, you can always come say what's up to me. Cause if I have knowledge and I don't share with you, I'm doing myself a disservice because I'm not leaving the game in better hands when I finally move on. Right. I mean, that's really, I mean, what it's about, right, is learning from mistakes, teaching somebody else so they don't have to do it the hard way. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I'm with you with, you know, meeting some of those. I mean, dude, the last, the first time uh, I was in the same room with Beach Bum Barry, like there's three <laughs> of us and like we wanted to give him a lapel pen and they, I got voted to go give it to him because none of us were like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go up to him. I don't want to go up to him, you know. Yeah. That, you know, now we're now we're great friends. I've been checking in with him too because he's in New Orleans, you know, and so yeah, yeah. you know he's it's he's not opening on the first wave either. You know, it's, yeah, it's still nah, bad down that. there too. Stay so. home, man. Stay home and stay safe, man. Don't listen to Biff <laughs> in the White House. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, man. So I mean, what's next, man? I mean, you're obviously still operating your bar. Tell us about the bar. We haven't even talked about your bar, man. Man, the bars is I, I, I call it it's the it's the best kept secret in the South Loop of Chicago. It's it's a, a true neighborhood bar experience that you can get a really really good cocktail at. And how long you been there now? Shit, man, five years. I had just did my five year anniversary uh, the first week of March. No kidding. Five years, man. As long as I've ever been in one place, man. So it's it's really felt good to see it build, see it grow. Um, be myself, Sherry, Oriel, the whole team, Raisin, Brandon, the whole team over there, man. Love you guys. Um, we've all been on group chats trying to stay, you know, connected mm-hmm. as much as we can because we go from seeing each other damn near every day to now I haven't seen any of them in two months. Where were you just before the, like, you were at 16th Street? Uh, so I took two years off from behind the bar. So the last bar okay. I was at before 16th was the South Loop Hotel Bar. Okay. Uh, 26th and uh, State Street. Uh, right down the street from McCormick Place. So we used to get a lot of um, traffic from all the, the fairs and all uh-huh. the expos and shit that happened. So we were there. That bar closed. I took a couple years off, and I was just doing private parties, mm-hmm. um, doing some brand work here and there, just hustling, having some fun. And um, Sherry, my partner at the bar, called me one day and was like, I'm doing this uh, spotlight uh, guest bartender series. I want you to come do it. And it kind of gave me that fire to get back behind the bar a little bit, have some fun. And I kind of remembered all the reasons why I love bartending. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm back. And well, the first time I walked into your place, I, I liked the way it's set up, right? Because it's real small. And the bar, I mean, it's 
it's not set up in a way that anybody that was laying out a bar would ever do it, right? They'd be like, this isn't efficient. This doesn't work. This is stupid. Why'd you put the bar in the middle of the joint? But you've got two bar tops and you're right in the middle, right? I mean, it just cuts the whole room in half. But what I love about it is because, like I said earlier, that communal nature of sitting at the bar with your with your clients um, and you at the bar, obviously like, it allows you to handle most of the room because you're, you can turn around and, and yep. face half the bar at any given time. But your guests are all facing each other too, right? And that's how the first time that I kind of got introduced to a lot of your guests and ended up hanging out with them because, I'm, shit, I'm staring at them. You know, I'm like sitting across the bar from you. You got to look at somebody, like, right? Like, soon as that door opens, if, you're, if you sit on that side of the bar, soon as the fucking door opens, you do like this. Yeah. Everybody. Like, oh, no, yeah. I, I did the same when after a few hours. I was doing the same. I like, was walking in here, you know? Yeah. But you're also, yeah. you know, next to you know, fancy restaurant and you'd have people kind of wandering in, which is like an interesting juxtaposition because it's the same way I felt the first time I walked in. I felt like an outsider because everybody in there very clearly knew each other, (laughs) you know? And And before the night's over, you know them all too. Oh man, dude, I had, all it took was like some, man, we got into a conversation about some like fruity pebble pancakes or some shit. (laughs) it's, it's, it's It's like cheers, man. And they're like, everybody, has a good time. And I've met some people who are going to probably be in my life for the rest of my life through me working there, who are no longer customers. They ain't even regulars. They are real friends, family, and all of that. Like, we all hang out together outside of there. Like, it's really, truly a family situation, man. Like, I don't know how the last four or five years of my life would have, if they would have even played out the same way had I not been there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's people there that I could never... Man, there's guys that has helped my son with his college stuff. You know what I mean? That, that I mean, me and Sherry, you know, that 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 relationship is even crazy in itself that, you know, I was adopted. You know, a lot of people don't know that about me, but I was adopted. I found my biological family eight years ago. Sherry is my older, my biological older sister's best friend. That's right. You told me that. I forgot that, all about that. Yeah. So it's like this we're we're family for real. Then yeah. come to find out our other partner, Oriel. And Kenny, you know, that the previous owner that was there, they knew my other sister. So we are all literally like six degrees separation. You know what I mean? So we're all family, man. Yeah. I love all them cats, man. I can't wait for all of us to be able to be back in, in the same room together mm-hmm. again. You know what I mean? Soon. I mean, we definitely got to give some props to, to Sherry because as much as you travel, as much as you're gone, I mean, yeah. it's pretty much just you two. So if one of you is not there, the other is. Yeah, I think the last yeah. time now, last time I was there, and it's been a little while. It's been a couple of years because lately, when I've been in Chicago, it's for like a business thing, and I'm there and gone within a day. Either that, yeah. or there's yeah. one there. I was gonna come by and see you one night, and it's I don't know. We almost ended up in jail, so that we <laughs> we I didn't make it by that night. We were busy with police, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 but but you know, like but her son was working there as well. Yeah. Is, is yeah. he still? Yeah. No, he's at um, is is he an untitled? No, he's not an untitled. He's at um, fuck, what's the name of that damn bar? And I love it too, and it's a really really nice bar. And I can't think of, but he's he's working at on the bar of Rush Street. That's cool. Cause damn, he's young bar. too. Was he twenty three yeah. now? Twenty four? Or maybe yeah, fucking yeah. baby. Yeah, he's I know. eighteen with us, man. Like he's he's growing into his own. He's doing his thing. He travels with us. We go. Uh, we do events out of state. He comes with me and Sherry. Like, we're always rolling, man. Like, we are literally, we have all became family. I mean, y'all are definitely some of the hardest working bartenders and bar owners that I've ever met. And I always, I I literally, I don't know if anybody ever goes. I hope that you text me if they do. 
when I always tell people to go by and, and check it out, I would say it's one of my favorite places to go in Chicago. And I will you know, too, yeah, because it's. I mean, I I don't know for years I've been saying it, but you know, it's it. People I think look at the map and they're like, oh, I've heard you know bad things, and it's not far yeah. south side. It's just it's south not. of Chinatown. South South Side doesn't start till twenty second Street. Right, exactly. That's, that's I mean, well, 16, you, said you got, got a Michelin eight. star restaurant next door, or around the corner. Yeah, literally <laughs> around the corner. Like, yeah, you you'll be safe over there, guys. <laughs> and it's so so easy to get to, man. I mean, I've walked up and down through that neighborhood. It's it's easy yeah. to navigate. It's not yeah. far from the convention center or whatever the hell uh, McCormick McCormick place. Yeah, yeah, whatever place. it is. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I always end up getting a hotel over there because it's cheap, and then I remember why I don't get a hotel over there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Shit, dude, you ain't been in a couple of years. That whole strip looks so different now, man. We got the stadium over there now. Oh, that's right. They building hotels up. Well, over see, like- I've been up, but I haven't been in, in your neighborhood. I've been when, last few times. I just stayed out in Logan Square because I was doing things uh, out in that direction, whether like the Rum Fest. At the, right, at the auditorium right, right. and all that. So, yeah, we just... It's like three new hotels over there. We got the stadium over there. Like, it's... I, I knew something was changing. So, right where 22nd Street and State is, it's all clear lots now. But that used to be where the project started. You know what I mean? And then the the building across the street, that was a housing project who's now apartments and condos. And when I saw them flip that and redo those and put a train stop right down 22nd Street, I said, something's changing. Something's coming. And now, five, six years later, like I said, we DePaul plays basketball right down 22nd right. Street now. Um, Big East Tournament is there. Like, they have all type of stuff there now, man. It's just like, I love seeing how the city's changing, but that area hasn't become so gentrified that there aren't that same essence that used to always yeah. be in that area. It's still there. The character. You know I mean? So I was going to ask. So, I mean, it's it's not gotten to the point where – you're it's paying, not, nah. you know, a hundred bucks for a bag of rice. It's still a ton of <laughs> it's still a ton of black owned bars, restaurants, lofts, clothing spaces. Like it's still that in there. I mean, it's starting to get a little pricey. And I, I got a feeling post COVID things will probably be a little different. But yeah, I mean, Twenty Second Street from State to Michigan, and then down to Twenty Sixth Street on Michigan, it's about seven eight black owned restaurants and bars. Man, still still holding on, still holding strong in the neighborhood. And we always try to support them like as much as we can, because you know, once you start seeing stadiums and shit, and you start seeing white people walk their dogs down the street, you be like, "Uh oh, neighborhood's changing." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm in a neighborhood with well, three of us. I mean, you know, the Tiki Bar, my Thai restaurant, are in a neighborhood that you couldn't give away houses twelve years ago. That I was glad I bought one back down yeah. back then. I actually had a busser back then. Um, yeah. Dude named Julio, man. He would take all of his tip money and he would buy these like uh, foreclosed like real estate auction houses. And he was, I mean, he was like 21 and he had, I think, like 10 houses when he was 21. And and now in that neighborhood, those same houses that were 12, 13 grand back then are going for $400,000 now. So I'm yep. like, I haven't seen him in a lot of years, but I, but I bet I'd be asking him for a job pretty soon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I was that smart at 21. I'm going to make sure my son listens to this so he can know, like, hey, man, save your coins, man. Don't buy Jordans like your dad did. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I know. Like, if I could just have all the money I spent on weed uh, and alcohol back. Do <laughs> between cars and rims and <laughs> sound systems in my cars and Jordans. And I'm like, man, I just... Just give me half of it back. That's I, funny I, you say that, man. I literally spent so like every day is a new rabbit hole right now, right? With the fucking, I'm just sitting in the same stool waiting for the phone to ring every four or five minutes for a carryout order. I'm yep. going down so many rabbit holes. Today I started with like I just 
I was like, hmm, I wonder how. I was wondering about the the Buick Nailhead. Just like I'm gonna check, I'm gonna check out how that engine worked, how they engineered that, and then that was like they got to start looking at all these like hot rods and stuff. And I was like, yep. man, I think I'm fucking officially got middle aged, man. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta stay the fuck off of Amazon, dude. I have bought some shit on Amazon. Yeah, Amazon trucks. He'll be pulling up tomorrow with a couple other things I just ordered, man. Like. I just, I'm the like, mugs, yeah, this, this. the tiki mugs are killing me, man, because everybody's off, right? So all the artists are trying to raise money for, for themselves. The bars are trying to do special release mugs, all that, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I don't have any money coming in, and then I'm like, right. ah, but they're only making a hundred, you know? <laughs> <laughs> dude, I ain't bought a pair of Jordans in three months, dude. You know, I'm, you know, I'm the shoe guy, man. You like I the shoes, right? <laughs> like, we well, ain't got anywhere to be, buy. so. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I was looking at my closet the other day, like, fuck, man, I just really want some shoes, man. But I just, I got to hold on to every little bit I got right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, I know. I feel that, man. That's the thing is, like, you know, these these chats are my reset to, you know, kind of get back to, no to normalcy because, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the days are rough for all of us and it's hard to, to communicate to that to anybody that's outside yeah. the business, you know? And I've tried to been, yeah. I've been trying to talk about it a lot in the last several episodes and we got a couple more still coming up, too. Um, actually, Eli is going to be on the show. Word, um, dope, you know, dope. talking about his move to New York at the worst possible timing. I mean, the worst time you can move. Yeah, like, yeah, we like three weeks, yeah. I think. So, yeah, we were in Portland. I think it was October, so I was like the last like major thing we did. We was at Cocktail Week, and he told me he was moving to New York, and then all this shit happened. So it was crazy how fast it happened. I was at a tiki thing in or uh, the Inohalian in Atlanta. Literally two weeks before everything got shut down, we were at Trader Vic's with like shared drinks. We were sharing yeah. drinks with straws. You'll never see that shit again. Ever, never <laughs> no. again. Never again. Man. I mean, we're already right. taking it off our menu. We're like, just take away the shareable bowls. Nobody's yep. ever sharing oh, a drink again. No more, no more scorpion chest. Nope. None of that shit. No nope. more, man. I guess. Yeah, I, I, for especially for like you and for like a three dots and and, and Lost Lake and places that. Like, those are your big sellers, like those chests. Like, I'm like, how the fuck are y'all going to? Well, we're not quite three dots level where they're, like, doing a $1,000 with a bottle of Dom <laughs> and, like, Appleton 30 and, and shit like right, that. Right, right, right. <laughs> But it's like, man, those are, like, the people come there to have that type of experience. You know what I mean? So it's like, what? how how are we going to bridge that gap? Right. You know what I mean? And still be able to give people that, that style of experience without it being that. You know what I mean? Like, it's... God, the world never be the same, brother. It's not, man. You know, Souther said, you know, we've left old earth. We're heading to new earth, but we don't know what that looks like yet. It's funny. He yeah. literally, literally just texted me twice as we've been sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> I need to see what he's got to say. But, um, you know, man, I don't want to keep you all night. I know you're a busy man. You've been doing some cool stuff. Dude, I saw your fucking battle, though. I watched you. Uh, yeah. with, said, who was okay. it? Who were you with, DDO? Did you think I lost that battle? I just want to know. You won that shit, dude. Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was a killer. I, I, are you guys gonna do that again? So that was real cool. Doing, so our, my, um, I got to check in with him. We're supposed to be doing nineties R and B. That's right. Time. I forgot about that. That's that's. He will not fucking win that. <laughs> so like, I was like, where are you guys doing like, this? Are, is it on your Instagram or? Yeah, so, so this one will be on his. On his. He was a guest on mine last time, so it'll be on his. But like, I had a game plan. It didn't matter what he played. I had an answer for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, okay. I see how he did. It. So I switched my shit up. And like everybody in the comments, everybody who called me after was like, "There's no way you lost that." I said, "I don't know how." Yeah, I didn't want to get involved in that conversation, but I was like, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, the um, you dropped I got five on it, didn't you? Yeah, Loonies, I got yeah. Five. 
Because I was, I was just like, come on, man, the remix. You know, I got to have Shock G. <laughs> What's crazy is the shit I didn't play because again, I, my strategy was to answer whatever he had. Mm. It was like, okay, you play some upbeat, I'm gonna play some upbeat. You play a classic, I'm gonna play a classic. Like I got, I got, I had the way I made my list. I had so it was '90s West Coast. I had Death Row, and then I had Rest of the West. So I had about sixty songs on my list, dude. Like I was, matter of fact, is my list down here? So were you yeah, like, were you spinning or were you on your laptop? Huh? Were you on tables or were you on your laptop? I was on my laptop. Yeah, okay. I, so I was on, on live on my iPad and I was on my laptop with the sound bar. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah, I was ready. I had I I had anything. I still had like Spice One. I still had <laughs> yeah. some HD. I had some MC8. Like I still had shit. I had DJ Quick. Like I started to start off and play Blow the Whistle, but he didn't play like a club banger for me to really. Right. You know what I mean, but yeah, I, I mean, I told him I came out the gate swinging, man, straight to the pop. Well, so, yeah. where, where can people find that this week? What, what, or when's this happening? And it's on his. Well, well right, I mean, you're going to announce it right on your social yeah, media. Yeah. So, yo, anybody that's looking for me, one, follow Brown and Balanced on Instagram. It's at Brown and Balanced. Um, we're going to be back to doing happy hours next week. We're doing happy hours Monday through Saturday, uh, 5 p.m. Central. I just really wasn't too happy this week, so I didn't even want to. Sure. With the way this shit's going out, I was like, I'm taking a break this week. Mm-hmm. Um, next week will be special again. My birthday's Wednesday, so we'll be doing a birthday party for me on happy hour next week on Wednesday. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then my personal Instagram is Mr. Mixologist, M-R-M-I-X-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. <laughs> um, I had to think about it. I couldn't like, have done it that fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to think about it. That's why we bartenders, man. I ain't got to worry about spelling none of that shit. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'll announce what we're doing on that, but more than likely you'll catch me there going live, hanging out, having fun. Um, the Brown and Balance cocktail book is coming out soon. Volume one is coming out very soon. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be Can, e-book, Are man. you, are you free to talk about it at all? Or is it still on lockdown? Um, I'm not, I'll put it like this. We've been doing Brown and Balance for three years. So I broke all three years worth of cocktails down to three volumes. So volume one, I ain't going to say which drinks are in there yet or from what year they are. But well, volume one to be coming out real Awesome, soon. man. That's real cool. Definitely yeah. going to grab that. I mean, shit, dude. I can't stop. You can see the behind me. I can't stop buying I, cocktail books. Yeah. <laughs> You're making my, I like, my bookshelves upstairs, dude. You're shitting all over mine, dude. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, well, I don't live in a, a tiny Chicago apartment, man. I couldn't afford real estate up there. <laughs> there are benefits to being in a smaller market. Hey, I bought, I bought a house now, man, so I'm out, you know. Oh, you're in your place. This is your new place. Yeah. All yeah, right, man. Place. I'm close to the kids now. Um, They can walk to school for miles, back and forth and all that, so. You're officially you know, domesticated and old, man. <laughs> I know, I know. One of these days I'm going to settle down, man, but, you know. I'm <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I know <laughs> you better than that. So we can find <laughs> your Mr. Mixologist, but, yeah, like, so you're doing, you're, you'll be doing it with uh, DDO on on, yeah. on his account. So but yep. it'll be announced through your Instagram and, and, and yep. Facebook and all that shit, whatever you would. Yep. What, what platforms are you, you're operating, you're on everything, right? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that shit is either, Mr. Mixologist is on all of those. Cool. Uh, Facebook is Josh Davis. Yep. And then uh, on Instagram and Twitter is Brown and Balanced as well. Right on, man. Well, I mean, I might actually sit in for your birthday, man. If I can do it, I'm, I'll be working, obviously. Let's do it. But, yeah, you know. come, hang out. <laughs> come hang out with us, man. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun day. Is it's it? gonna be a full Q and A session with me. I'm answering any and all questions. Oh shit, that could be dangerous. 
It's just gonna get bad. It's just gonna get real bad. <laughs> well, man, I hope that you guys, you know, uh, come out of this well and fine. And mm -hmm. I hope Sherry's doing all right. Tell her I send my best. And all you know, right. I can't wait to get back up there and, and hang with you guys and, and your clients. And like I said, it's it's one of my favorite bars in the country and yeah. definitely in Chicago. Thank you. Um, Thank you, can't man. look forward to seeing you again. I'm glad you're doing healthy. And and again, my condolences for your uncle. Thank you, no. brother. You too, man. Hey, blessings to you and the family, man. I know y'all, you know, you holding it down out there. So, you know, as soon as I can get down there to come hang out, I'm on, I'm on the first thing smoking. I know. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Till then, man. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Love you, man. Thank you.